When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Welcome back to In My Heart, a podcast truly about all of the things in my heart and finding our freedoms. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. Be sure to stay tuned after today's interview for Holla Back. That's my Q&A where I'm answering questions from my listeners, so be sure to stay tuned. From his humble beginnings in Houston, Texas, High Hunter rose to fashion icon status as the stylist for first Destiny's Child and then for the legendary Beyonce. High's inspiration and collaborations have graced the covers of countless national and international publications. His creative style genius is coveted by celebrities as well as corporations. And since creating some of his most iconic looks of all time and inspiring a whole new generation of fashion, he has collaborated with such ad campaigns such as Hyundai and Foot Locker. Ty has also dedicated himself to motivate those around him to be the best they can be with daily affirmations and inspirations on his Instagram account, TyTryOne. That's at TyTryOne. He also extends his time to his favorite philanthropic causes such as Glam for Good and the MBK Alliance with a dedication to lifting those around him to greater heights. In giving, we receive the greatest gifts. And Ty Hunter is a perfect example of that. The most beautiful human. Welcome, Ty Hunter. You are in my heart. Thank you, my love. You know I love you. I got so excited when I was asked to be on your show. So thank you. Oh my God, I'm so excited (laughs) to have you. Well, we know each other. Because we have a huge love for the Knowles family and Destiny's Child. So let's talk a little bit about your history with really Miss Tina. And, you know, she's like a mom figure to you, too, just like she is me. So we're brother and sister, the way that works out. (laughs) (laughs) So can you just talk a little bit about how did Ty come to be and how you got started and I know the story, but I want to share it with everybody else. So let's just start from the beginning. Well, I'm from Austin, Texas. I used to work at a place called Carbometic Implants. I was in the medical field, so I used to sit under a microscope every day and work on artificial heart valves. I've always been into fashion. I was always in best dress in school. I was always finding friends and doing like makeovers on them in high school and stuff. And people used to pay me to go school shopping for them, but I never knew that that could be like a career. I just didn't pay attention to that. I was just living 
And so working in the heart valve uh, business, I made really good money. I worked Monday through Friday off on the weekend. So it was the life. I could kind of relax in case I party too hard on Sunday night. <laughs> <laughs> but I decided that I was getting dressed to one of my friends who recently passed away. And I found out he had a scar. And I was like, well, what's going on, Tupac? What is this scar? You've been shot. And he was like, no, I have a heart valve. So although I knew I was doing my job was for humans, but when things hit home, this place that I love to go to became a place that I dreaded. I hated going there and my numbers started going down. And I just got to a point of depression and just like sleepless nights of what's next. There has to be something out there for me. So when the president at the time came out with, you could leave your job for three months, your job wasn't promised, but it was family leave. I went and made up some story to my boss <laughs> and because he loved me so much. If he's listening, I'm sorry. I did fib a little. Um, <laughs> but it was for your wellness and your mental health. It was for health. my mental health. Yes. There we go. So I decided that, you know, I called my cousin who lived in Houston, Texas at the time. And I asked him, could I come stay with him for a month? which ended up being eternity. But once I got to Houston, I started doing different visuals and window dressing for different stores. And I started working at a store called Booyaka at the time. And when it's time Destiny's Child had No, No, No on the radio, they were neighborhood superstars. I ran into Miss Tina. She came in one of the stores once before. And um, she just became my instant mother, being that my mom was in Austin and I was in Houston. And we just had an instant, you know, you know how she is. She's like, once you get to meet her and know her, you just fall in love with her. And it was just this magnetic field that just brought us together. And after a year or two, I started working at a place called BB, and you all know who BB is. BB was yes. the spot. <laughs> it was. <laughs> and so when I was working at BB one day, Destiny's Child was being followed by MTV. It was a day in the life of Destiny's Child, and each girl, they all came in the store. And I had met Kelly prior. I had met Michelle prior. I had met Solange. She was a kid. And, uh, sometimes Michelle would come to town and we would hang out, but I would never be like, oh, I was with Michelle yesterday. I wasn't a starstruck person. So when all the girls came in and hugged me and gravitated towards me, Miss Tina was like, hmm, I'm going to get you out of here one day. So when she told me that, maybe like a month or two later, I contacted her. I had a day off from all my jobs because I was working there and Office Max at night because, you know, I'm a father. I was a young father. Yes. Um, so I had to take care of my responsibility. So I had a day off and I called her one day and I was like, Miss Tina, I'm just saying if you need any help with anything, I'm off today. And she was like, yes, baby, can you meet me here? And I went and met her at Jaime's, if you remember Jaime. Jaime's I do remember Jaime. Who would do the sewing and bring Miss Tina's her Visions to life. Yeah. Yes. So um, I meet her at Jaime's and I immediately began working on the Survivor video in the Grammys. And that's kind of how my Cinderella story started. <laughs> Your career started. Well, let's just get into some of the juice of, you know, first styling for Destiny's Child. So you met Destiny's Child at the beginning of their you know, time yeah. together. And I really got in with the girls and got to know everybody toward the end when Beyonce was just about... Destiny's Fulfilled was happening. That's their final tour. And that's really where Ty and I rubbed elbows in sweat mm -hmm. <laughs> and really got to know each other working on that concert tour. And then on to Beyonce's solo, you know, albums and careers. So I literally scratched the surface on all that, you guys. But Ty has been in the heart and the guts of all of it. And so can you just talk a little bit about that? Because... Tina has such a, 
you know, specific vision for certain things. And at the beginning, as Beyonce started to grow and create her own vision for things, I mean, that's been to me a blossoming act we've gotten to see with Beyonce. So let's share some of that with these these guys listening to us. You know, each girl, Beyonce was the last to come out doing the solo projects. First it was Michelle. So she did a gospel album. So I did all of her videos and her print and press and everything. And then Kelly came out. I did all of her videos and press and everything. And then Solange actually came out That's with right. her album. We did all of her stuff. And then Beyonce came out. And it was just beautiful to see. I literally, the Crazy in Love video was so exciting. And it's still one of my favorite jobs that I styled because it was just a, it started out so simple with just a tank, which actually had rhinestones on it. People zoom in. Uh, yes. Being shorts and a red pump, but it just grew into this fashion explosion of just high fashion. But on that set, I actually saw her turn into a woman and I actually went into the trailer and cried a bit because yeah. I, I actually seen it uh, happening. And I always knew that the girls would be up there because, you know, starting with the babies that we all grew up, I wasn't a stylist and, you know, Beyonce wasn't Beyonce. And so right. to just be part of the growth and on the ride each step and just see this explosion was so beautiful. And the hearts of these girls. So, you know, can we just talk a little bit about how that unit worked in the sense that there were these young girls and, you know, Tina was the mama figure. And even in, in, you know, their bottoms, like the way their bottoms were, she wouldn't let their butts hang out. And you know what I mean? They all had the different, that one had an off the shoulder and one had a half shirt and one had, you remember at the beginning, uh-huh, uh-huh. all of that? I don't know the answers to this, but when was the time that Beyonce was like, no mama, we're going to cut it higher. Uh, <laughs> or how did that happen? Because I don't even know. You know, I can't say the girls carried themselves with so much class and so much grace that, when they were outfits were a little skimpy, it what it didn't read as the other girls. You know what I right. mean? Because they carried themselves in a way that makes sense, and it wasn't vulgar. You know, so um, I don't remember the day it happened, but you know, just things. I, I feel like it's still the same. She, she still had restrictions on what to show and what not to show, and and yeah. when she did finally, if you saw a little extra, it was done in such a way that was art versus just being vulgar. So I don't know the specific time when the transaction happened because I was in there. <laughs> yes. I thought you were going to say Terry Mooglar, you know, because his, is, his, his clothing is just art. It's so amazing. Yeah. And she always is classic, but damn, she's sexy. Uh, she is. <laughs> so Ty mentioned he was a young daddy. He did have a baby when he was young and was very, very good father and responsible. I got to know Treasure when she was just a little baby girl, and she's now 21. She's 26. Oh, 26? She's 26 now. Holy shit. She's almost 30? Oh, my God. That makes me feel so old. I feel young. (laughs) She's still old. Yeah, I feel young, too. I do do feel like the same person, but when we watch a baby grow up, you're like, wait a minute. How'd that happen? She's like a whole lifetime. Yeah, she was a... You met her when she was a baby, and now she's 26 and has her own apartment, and she lives in Dallas, Texas, in her last year of college. I really need to see her again because the influence on her and I remember her being, she was just such an amazing soul and human being. Like she was little, you know, I remember she was like very mature as a little girl. She was really just together. And that is, 
you know, a reflection of you, you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. how you raised her and you've made some big choices in your life, you know, being a, you know, a young single parent, you know, and working your butt off and having to be bi-coastal and between New York and LA and she was living in Texas. And yeah. I mean, I remember like the Houston trip, you know, back and forth on those jets, you and Tina mm-hmm. always, you know, so whenever I think of you, I don't, I don't really even think of you as Austin as much. And I definitely think of you as a New Yorker yeah. more than an LA guy. <laughs> Me too. But let's talk about that, what that was like, because listen, there wasn't a lot of help like there is. It was a different time, you know, it was very, very hard. And I, I, you know, this time progressed and, you know, some of the guys from like Alan Floyd, the manager and all of them, they would have FaceTime and Skype. I didn't have any of those things because my no. daughter was growing up. So it was very, very hard. That's the thing that people don't get. This lifestyle is looks on the outside so glamorous, but there's so many sacrifices and missing birthdays and, and sometimes funerals and things like that. So it was really, really hard. Uh, and I'm glad that my daughter grew into understanding the lifestyle and knew that I was a provider. And um, when she got her first, she'd styled, actually assistant styled a movie, a, a, a movie before. And she came after the second day and told me, dad, I just want to apologize for those times that you, I knew you wanted to just rest <laughs> <laughs> because she understood. And, you know, I just always prayed that, you know, she knew what I was doing and what, what you know, I had to do those things to provide all the things she needed. So yeah, it was very, very rough. I thought of you a lot as a young parent on the road. And I remember when Treasure would visit or you would go be going to see Treasure. His his daughter's name is Treasure. But I remember that shuffle, so yeah. to speak. And I think of it now and we are so lucky. Technology affords us so much and we bitch about social media. And yes, too much of anything isn't good. But I want to get into that because it has really provided a huge platform. Yes, I would say for you because you have like 399,000 followers or something (laughs) crazy. But I want to talk about cultivating that, but how you're providing a platform that's helping so many others with your posts of inspiration. And I want to talk a little bit about when you knew it was the right decision to kind of hang up your styling, your full-time styling, you know, gloves, so to speak. And make some changes in your life. Can you talk a little bit about how that happened? Yeah. Doing On The Run 1, the first tour, I did that. Me and Raquel Smith, my lovely sister partner. Then we had, um, they gave me a three and a half month break. And I had never been off ever, like just to that extreme to just really... And so during that Since time... Since you left you know, Budokai and BB, you had yeah, another yeah, yeah. you been working full-time. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so it was just going, 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 going. And so when I stepped away, I'll never forget Mr. O, President Obama's second term. He told me and Raquel, he was like, you guys working for Beyonce? He said, that is so awesome. He's like, where do you go from there? And it was like, where do you go from there? You know what I mean? So it really sit home with me. And, and the president me. is asking you the question, no less. It's not yeah, like me. It, it, <laughs> it was just like that shift of thought, because sometimes we get so consumed into work and not really look at the bigger picture of, or just even where we see ourselves from that time. That happened, like, it took me back to a place with my friend when I found out he had a heart valve. So this place just, you know, I I was blessed to go to work and stuff, but it just, 
it was other things that I always wanted to do that I just never took the time out to do. So I just started focusing on that time and just creating things. Like I did a phone case. I did two, <laughs> two clothing lines. I was just going, 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 just creating, creating. So when it was time to start back and it was time to go on, on the run too and do the, the Super Bowl, that's when, you know, just things were going. And my daughter turned 21 and the very next day, me and Beyonce had a, a conversation and um, that's when I decided to step away and pursue other things. And she she was like, I knew this day would come. She was like, you're a star and I'm here if you ever need anything. And and she stick to her word and I stick to her my word. We're like brother and sister. We're closer more than anything. And um, we just support one another. So I, I literally left the day my daughter turned 21 the very next day. That's why I have 21 in my mind. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the very next day, so because if I would have went on tour, I wouldn't be able to do my promotions and stuff that I had to do because I had a lot of like news and all those things set up for me to do. And I, I just really had to step out on faith. And it was not the easiest thing to leave someone as great as the great and uh, just really step out on faith and just take that chance. And it was a depression time of what the hell did I just do? Right. <laughs> But I had to know that God would not steer me in a direction and, and lead me astray and just leave me because I took that step. And so after I did that, I get an email from the White House, President Obama, my brother's keeper initiative. They chose six black men and I was one of them. So I was able to go and do the press for that with the Small Business Association. You know, that was a, a, a way of letting me know that I got you, God. Let me know he had me. And so things just started happening, great things. And I just kept going. And I'm happy I did those things and stepped out on faith. I found a lot about myself and um, I started doing motivational speaking and just really staring my, my account to just things that I needed to hear to push myself. And in my travels, people would come to me and say, you helped me through suicide, you helped me through a divorce. So I realized my platform was way bigger than myself. Instead of me just putting selfies and posting fashion, 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 like all the other stylists. I mean, at this point, I feel like everybody has their own fashion sense. We have the top shops and the H&Ms and things like that to where people, I, I just feel like I want to feed people in another way and uplift them and have them laugh and motivate them and because social media can be such a dark place. It's a gift and a curse, I would say. And um, I just wanted my page to be an escape from the darkness. So my page is yellow as the sunshine. And so everything I do, all the quotes and stuff are yellow. And I just wanted my place to be a place, to, like I said, for you to get away and take a, a breather and just motivate people to keep going because I'm a living testimony of just going for what I believe in and just stepping out on faith and taking chances and risks because I really believe if you don't take those chances and you're gonna just, the regret of that woulda, coulda, shoulda, is more haunting than I went out and tried and it didn't work. And I believe in if you have to come back home for a second to regroup and, re, you know, figure things out, it's okay. You know, a lot of people think of that as failure, but think of that as a blessing that you can go back home because a lot of people don't have that opportunity to sink or swim. So you just definitely need to take advantage of that and, and just really go for your dreams and goals. Beautifully said. And to take that, that aha moment with, President Obama, where he's like, geez, what's next? And that poignant moment of clarity that brought you to the forefront, you know, maybe for the first time in your own life. And 
I just wanted to push pause on that for a second because what he basically is saying to you guys that he recognized now is that the universe has our back. But what he didn't recognize is that he ha- had your back all along. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these motions that you went through all this time of growth during your time with Destiny's Child, Beyonce, Tina Solange, you grew into an incredible human being in person. And that growth allowed you to look at yourself. Finally, that what happened with that three months is you finally were in a way forced to slow down and, and calm down. Mm-hmm. And I'm in my own life, I'm looking that because I'm 100 miles an hour, you're 100 miles an hour. When you work in the industry that we worked in for so many years, there's no other way. And so when you're forced to calm down, there's this old Chinese proverb that I use all the time I got from my friend Eric Weimeyer. It says, um, the mind is like water. When it is still, it is clear. And so sometimes in a world that's moving so quickly, social media, we are moving so fast to keep up with the Joneses. We are moving so fast to make the next buck. And really what we need to do sometimes is slow down. And so that three months gave you that reflection time. And you started to focus on you, which was really exciting. Yeah. And then the universe threw you and you're watching your daughter grow up and she's graduated from college and things are really working. And then your dad and mom got sick. Mm. They both got a cancer diagnosis, like very close to each other. Can we talk about how that sets you back? And then I want to get into mental health a bit. Yeah, I was on the world. I was doing motivational speaking, traveling to the different Soho house, doing my one-man show, just kind of talking about um, a lot of things that I'm going through and just different projects were on the go. And I was getting ready to go to an MCM show, and they called me and said my mom was diagnosed with stage 4 breast cancer. And so I immediately just left to the airport and uh, came here and... My mom ended up in the hospital for four and a half months. I never left her side. I stayed by her side the whole time, sleeping on that little chair and just kind of doing her baths. I became like, (laughs) I knew everybody in the hospital. (laughs) But um, it was a really, really trying time. And in that process, me and my dad became really, really close because he would come sometime and free me up and take me to get food or take me to go to the house to change and shower and just like repack and stuff. And, um, Maybe um, two months later, he couldn't get out of the bed and um, he went to the hospital and they found tumors on his spine. And then they did the whole test and found out he had prostate cancer. And so I've just stayed in Austin, Texas, and I would spend half days with my dad, take him to radiation appointments and half days with my mom, take her to chemo and therapy appointments. And I lost my dad a year ago. And um, my dad actually, in the process of wanting to move because New York, I love New York. I miss New York. But at the time, I just felt like I needed something else. I needed to, because everybody else had moved to LA. My close friends and, you know, family members, everybody moved to LA. So I was like, dad, I'll be back. And I was only gone for three days because I went to just box all my stuff up to go to LA. And uh, my partner at the time left with the stuff and I just came back to be with my dad. And as soon as I came to the hospital where he was and touched him, he passed away and I stayed with his body for about three and a half hours. And it just let me, it just brought me to a place of strength that I didn't know I had and understanding that death is life and just not have fear and just we're here. This isn't a rehearsal and we need to just do everything we want to do and live your life to your fullest. 
And um, my mom is still undergoing treatment as well, uh, weekly. And um, I just want to have memories, you know, and ask questions. And, and that's what I did the whole time I was in the hospital with them. So my dad's, my dad leaving, going to the next dimension wasn't as hard as I thought it would be, be simply because I was at peace with it and, and, and I was there and I did all I could do and doing, we're, we can't control it. It's going to happen to all of us. So the key is to just, I, I tell people just record the time when you're with your parents and, and just really, just really uh, appreciate family. Yes. I mean, whether it's your blood family or the family that you choose, you know, these are the people that keep us moving, that uplift us, that help create who we are as individuals. And it's a conversation we don't have enough because it's so painful and it's so final death. But I do think we have to talk more about it because your experience with your dad is devastating and crushing as it is that he's going to pass on and you're not going to see him in this vessel anymore, in this body, in this lifetime. People never die. The soul doesn't die. Love doesn't die when we keep it alive within us, right? So people move on. Mm -hmm. I just don't think we talk enough about it. My uncle died in hospice care and I was by his side, hands on him when he passed away. It was painful. It was devastating. It was heart-wrenching. And it was one of the very most beautiful memories I have in my life. And I want to, people to know that, you know what I mean? That those times, those hours, you know, obviously if our loved ones are not taken from us suddenly, all you can say is make each day count the best you can, yeah. you know, make sure you tell people you love them and don't live with regrets. If you're feeling not good about something, fix it. Yes. I have tears of joy. Obviously I miss them, but I have these great memories and I buttoned everything up as best I could. Mm-hmm. you know, before I, the I end. So much about my dad that I didn't know. Like it, he was in a band, all this kind of and stuff. Didn't I, didn't, I didn't know. So it was just great. It's, it's important to ask questions because when the final hour happens, you don't want to have any stone left unturned. So right. just just record those memories and ask questions. And, and even if it hurts, just ask the questions that you just want to know for your soul because you just want to get everything answered. It's important. And life also doesn't provide us all these beautiful, you know, packaged li- with a pretty little bow answers. Sometimes no. the answers are hard and sometimes it takes a long time to find them. And I just had a question for my dad who passed away about eight years ago now. It just came up yesterday and I was like, oh my God, I wonder why he did that. And I was really kind of sad. Mm-hmm. But my parents also were divorced, but I called my mom. I go, do you know why dad, there's two Scottish flags and I never knew that. And mm-hmm. he always flew one and it has a tiger on it. But someone was like, no, the Scottish flag is blue and white. I'm like, not the Scottish flag I was born <laughs> and raised with. And I uh-huh. came to find out there are two. There's the royal flag and then there's like the Scottish flag. So now I want to know all this information. Why did he feel closer to the royal flag? And, right. you know, silly things like that. Now, this is not like a life crushing question. No, but, but it's, it, it, I understand what you're saying. Yes. You know, and so you do miss them and you want to talk about them. And that's why, you know, having family and people that knew your loved ones and keeping them alive and, you know, through conversation and curiosity is is important. Hi, I'm Sarah Riff, host of Having It All and Other Lies. I created this podcast as an opportunity to engage with people I admire about the pressure that we all feel. We'll talk about letting go of the expectation for perfection 
embracing the chaos and realizing that having it all looks very different to each of us. So I wanted to sit down and speak with people I look up to and dispel the myth that anyone feels like they have it all figured out or that they're killing it in every facet of their life all of the time. Instead, we'll talk honestly about redefining what success and happiness look like to each of us, because ultimately the only definition that matters is our own. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode. You know, more and more people are coming out now, you know, with their stories and their personal experiences about mental illness. And, you know, I I think that there's a revolution to kind of normalize this concept of mental health, which has got this terrible stigma. You know, we're still far away from it. You know, we're far away, like where we need to be. But there is a severe need to destigmatize conversations around mental health. The only way to do that is to talk about it. And that's what I really love about your Instagram page and who you are and what you stand for. I think that reaching out to the world like you have in these with these positive affirmations is really incredible work because the human brain develops certain patterns or pathways and they relate experiences with the past or the present. So when you say positive affirmations to yourself, I am a good human being. I will help somebody if I can. I'm capable of turning my dreams into reality. I am enough. You can actually change your own thought process, how you think about yourself and how you actually communicate with others and interact in the world. So I know that was a mouthful of shit, but that is what your account is doing for people. So can we talk about your Instagram account? Okay. (laughs) You know, uh, I noticed the change when people went just was talking more about my uh, my Instagram versus my work. Yeah. You know, it wasn't about Destiny's Child, Beyonce, Beyonce, Beyonce. It was more like, I, I love your Instagram account. It helped me through this. It helped me through that. And that's kind of how I knew the shift happened. And, and personally, I would start posting things for myself. I, in the beginning, I was writing a few of the quotes. And then after that, now my DMs and my text messages are from random people. You'll be surprised, like celebrity and you know family and friends. They send me things, and I just came up with this cool concept of just when the slides came out, I was able to just really get a lot out and really impact people in such a great way. And my personal affirmations is just me. I'm human. I still have dark days, but I give everything an expiration date. It's important. We're human. Uh, Instead of like trying to fight it and not go through it. And I believe we're supposed to go through things in order to become who we are today. You know what I mean? It's a growth. You, when you in a dark time, a lot of times I now personally, because I know how things are going and I know I'm a good person and I know that blessings are coming my way and I've learned to accept them and not feel like, oh, why me? You know, or things are not as big as they used to be to me because I know I deserve them. I'm a good person and I put out good energy and I'm there for people. So I tend to now, so when times are dark, I know something great is on the other side. So I'm just like, Lord, what am I supposed to learn in this dark hour, in this storm, to better me, to just remove another layer of growth to become who I am today? So I will go through it, and um, I just try to stay leveled because getting too far above and too down below is is not a good space for me. I like to just stay leveled. A lot of people say, you're always the same every time I see you, and it's simply because I've learned that if I go up too high, 
that could lead to destruction. If I go too low, that could lead to destruction. So I go through these storms and, and, you know, I've been through so much and I I allow myself, I give an expiration date. I'll say, okay, I'm on Tuesday. I'm going to snap out of it. So even if I have to write sticky notes and place it on the refrigerator, on the, on the mirror, uh, I will place sticky notes everywhere. Just a reminder, like snap out of it. And, and I'll, I tend to not let it go all the way, but I let it go enough to inspire myself to go more towards a positive mindset. It's important. You have to find those things that help you get out. There's people that you can call. To, uh, you know, I put my friends in categories like this one is if I'm going through something, this one is the one that's going to help me get out of it. This one, the one I can laugh and party. This one is going to pray with me. And this one is going to give me the words that I might need that I know I might be wrong. But they're going to give me the words to make me feel good at the time. And I'm like, okay, like I'm just, I'm so in tune with myself now simply by just learning how to be alone. And I think a lot of people are not used to being alone, but being alone is when you truly find out who you are as a human and and find your purpose. I love everything that you said. And two things came to mind as you were talking to me and I opened up your Instagram because I wanted to look and see you know, recent quotes you you have written. And I like this. Some people are going to be mad at themselves because they listen to the wrong people about you. You see? And so what I I like that you said that you have your friends that you go to for certain things. You know, we, we can never have like one end all be all. I think that's where we get even hung up on the husband and wife thing. We're like, well, you're my husband or you're my wife. You're supposed to be everything. That one person can be everything to us. And what Ty said, that's the most important. And I've I'm only really starting to learn now in my 50 years is that I am the most important and you are the most important person in your own life. And being alone is very important. And Emil Wilbekin, who you know well, and is a dear friend of mine, he just posted something yesterday that I responded to. And it's really what you said. So I'm going to pull it up. Emil wrote a post that says, knowing how to be solitary is central to the art of loving. When we can be alone, we can be with others without using them as a means of escape. Yes. How heavy is that? I mean, and it's, yes. but it's so real. Self-care, self-love, isolation, social distancing. Like these are muscles and all we have to do is learn how to flex them. The brain is a big old muscle. So you got to learn how to flex it and you can take this time of, of confusion and, you know, where everyone's so fearful and really focus on yourself. If you practice positive affirmations regularly and consistently, you gradually impact the already constructed patterns in the human brain. They can change the way our subconscious mind forces us to think and act. If you keep telling yourself you're good enough, you are going to believe it. Trust me, it's science. You don't even have to trust me. You can trust the scientists. And if you keep telling yourself you're not good enough, guess what? You're going to believe it. So we need more of you in the world, Ty, even though you have your own, you know, struggles and growth patterns, you carry it in such a beautiful way, because even though the world outside affects you, you don't let them see you sweat, so to speak. That comes from your solitude, that that comes from spending time with yourself, knowing yourself, and, and you have the strength and power not to let that person affect your temple. Yeah, I've, I've learned that, you know, I can let them affect me and have a heart attack and die and then they'll just affect the next person. Or I've learned that no one 
has a remote control to my life and can control me. You can't make me happy, Matt. It's that I'm in control of this. And once you learn that you are in full control of your mindset, it just helps you deal with life so much better. And a lot of times people be like, you're going to speak to that person because they did this to you. Are you being fake? No, I'm being tied. I'm yes. going to continue to be tied. I'm not going to let anyone strip me of my character. I'm going to be me. And I don't even have to take care of that. The universe will take care of that. I truly believe in karma. And if I did anything wrong to that person, I'm going to apologize. But when I know I didn't do anything wrong and they do all of that, you got to live with that, not me. So I'm not going to be uncomfortable in my skin or in my space. You're going to be uncomfortable simply because I'm still being me. I haven't switched up who I am. Uh, I'm still tied and I'm going to always be tied. So I just don't allow anyone to strip you of my character and I don't let anyone control my thoughts. I'm in control of my thoughts. Amazing. Have you been thinking about maybe having your own podcast? Well, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First and foremost, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor, they'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple and many more. With Anchor, you can start to make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership as well. It's truly everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. All right. So because you are not only an incredible person, but an incredible visionary and stylist, I got to talk about what's hot right now. Like, you know, it is COVID and, you know, fashion is changing and it's always cyclical, but this is a weird time. You know, mm-hmm. t- how are we staying cool right now? How are we staying chic? You know, what's making you tick? You finding any products out there or things that... Well, as of June, I received the call from an amazing human, uh, Billy Porter. He took me out of retirement. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been styling Billy Porter for a while now. I'm preparing for the, the ball drop he's hosting with Ryan Seacrest. You know, I can say God is amazing. Um, Billy is such an amazing person. He's just everything I needed. He's so much fun. He's a burst of light. He's he's hilarious. And we just, our, our synergy is just great. And it's just fun getting back into styling in that, in that way. You and know that it's I mean? a man. How cool yeah. that you're styling. It's a man who <laughs> I can go over here and I can go over yes, there. Yes, you can you go it's really good to have a huge buffet versus just going in and pulling women's clothes. I can go man or woman or, you know, do a combination platter. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love that. Oh, yes. So Billy's making you tick. I love that you have yeah. down. Well, let's just talk about that for one real quick second. The stylist in, in the, in the celebrity's life, they become a family member. I mean, it really, I mean, I've watched it happen now you know, between with Puffy and, you know, Jennifer and obviously Beyonce and the connections that are formed. I mean, my Orbe, you know, may he rest in peace. You know, I miss him. The the, the relationship I formed with him through Jennifer Lopez was yeah. uh, second to none. They, they, these people become your family. I mean, you are intimate. I, some of my best, deepest, most memorable conversations with Puffy were in his closet in his underwear. Yeah. <laughs> There's something special about that connection. And 
I love that you're finding that that beauty and that inspiration with Billy. Oh, I can't wait to watch the New Year's Eve party. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you're going to see some Thai Hunter flavor up in there. Yes. <laughs> so finding our freedoms. That's the other thing that happens uh, in life that I think it changes and I think it's different for everybody. The word freedom has so many levels to it for me. How mm -hmm. do you find your freedom? I'm built to put everyone else first because I can handle so much weight and I've just been that way. Uh, I'm the person that everybody comes to and dump on and I can handle it. But I've learned to put myself first and I've learned to say no. So finding my freedom is actually saying no. I'll get back to that when I'm able to get back to that um, and just putting myself first and my mental health first and my my life first because I've, I've always, always put other people first and I've been okay with that because I don't know. I just, I think I'm built to, to, to last and to, to just accept those things, but learning how to just put myself first, it was the hardest thing for me. It's hard to tell people, no, I'm just not a person to tell people no, but now I, I'm able to, and I'm really, really proud of myself. Finding freedom in the power of no self-preservation, yeah. you know, me first oxygen mass first. I mean, those are real kind of adages that we don't pay enough attention to. Yeah. So when I learned to do that, I've noticed that I've become a better son, a better friend, a better lover when I've simply learned to put myself first. When I think I was doing justice by putting them first, when I'm in a better mind space and a better head space, I'm a better person. So it might seem like a bad thing in the beginning, but once you learn, when you put yourself first, trust me, it makes everything so much better. Absolutely. I love that. Okay. I have two more things I have to ask you. What's your most memorable? I mean, it could be Destiny's Child. It could be just Beyonce. It could be just Michelle. It could be just Kelly. It could be Solange. But there mm -hmm. has to be like one of your favorite moments that you like put it. They went out there and you, we couldn't believe we pulled it off. Yeah. Can you just share a couple of the like, holy shit ones? <laughs> oh, holy shit would definitely have to be. Uh, it was probably the Radio Music Awards, I think. And the girls, they start on the stage and then they leave, run out the back, and we have to change them and run all the way to the front of the building so they can come in the front of the building and come down the aisle. That was the scariest thing. Literally, we was running, putting on shoes, putting on earrings, putting on jackets and all that. That quick change was the quickest change. So they were singing Lose My Breath. It was a scan. I lost my breath, actually. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but that was one of the scariest moments. And I mean, it's been a few times when I actually had to go on stage because a zipper came down or a zipper popped and I had to like just work my way and be on stage in front of thousands of people. And uh, yeah, it was a few of those moments. <laughs> Pretending you're doing the dance moves. The things, yeah. <laughs> the things you producers do to us, making us like these quick changes. And I mean, I remember the first concert tour I ever did was I did a Usher's concert tour. I, I styled it with Sean John when I was working for Sean John. And I, that was the first mm -hmm. time I ever really saw the quick change stuff that has to happen for performers. Because yeah. I had to make Usher like three different outfits and the liners had to pop out on all his stuff so they could be cleaned. Yeah. You know, so I did all these pop out liners, but I never saw anything until I worked with you and Beyonce and saw the quick changes that go on underneath the stage in a yeah. Beyonce tour <laughs> or a Destiny so Child many. tour. I mean, we were up to like, I believe 27 
Looks lunch concert, I believe. Um, it, it got to the point where I literally had to, have, we started having a monitor in the quick change and I had to get the next look together. But yeah, we did it. I can't believe we, we did it. So many amazing things <laughs> that you pulled off. Yeah. And everybody, if you haven't watched it, please, I know how warm Ty felt watching it. I think it's one of the most beautiful pieces of art that have been released. And you have to download Black is King. You have to yeah. watch the movie. It's incredible. Doesn't it make you just cry and I mean, I, and, and it's sing so beautiful. out? It's I, everything. It was beautiful. I didn't work on Black is King, but it was so beautiful. But I know that's why watching it, like we didn't work on these and obviously you've worked on a lot more of, of Beyonce's things, but to sit back in the chair and watch it from our oh, perspective. Let me tell you, my for, when I went to On the Run 2, I didn't do it. It was, I believe, Marnie and Zarina um, and me and Raquel and um, Les Twins, the guys, they didn't dance that tour and we all went to the show together and it was just like, I went to the back and I was like, so that's what goes on. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, that was just, it's just to sit out in the audience and be a part of it is such an experience versus sitting in the back. So just incredible. I, I could talk to you for hours. I miss you in New York. I miss you I too. Really do. I'll be back. Well, again, I could go on forever, but I just want you guys to keep an eye out for Ty. He's got a lot of things coming up. There's some TV projects that we can't talk too much about coming up. And he wrote the script for it. There's a, a collab coming up with a well-known designer that you have to keep your eyes out for. Yeah. So tell everybody where to find you so that they know where to find you and follow you on your amazing Instagram account and see, keep in check, check with you so that they know what you're up to and always can stay a part of you, Ty Hunter, because you are just beauty and a beautiful human. Okay, my address is... No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> In case you want to send gifts. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, all my social media platforms, my, my Instagram and, and everything is TyTry1, T-Y-T-R-Y-O-N-E. A lot of people thought it was Ty Ty wrong, but it's TyTry1. Please follow me. I, I do check my DMs uh, every blue moon. And um, if you want to be motivated, laugh and just have a moment of peace and just, if you need an escape, come over to my page. That's right, because <laughs> he's going to tell it like it is. And I am. <laughs> it's absolutely most every day exactly what I needed. So you're a psychic <laughs> on top of it. Well, Ty Hunter, I love you so much. Thank you for being a part of this. I can't wait to check in again soon after you've launched some of these Thank new you. exciting projects. Yes. And, and hug you and give some lay some sugar on you when I see you. Thank you so much. I love you. I love you, baby. See you soon. Bye-bye. Welcome to Hollaback. This is the part of my podcast where I answer all of your questions. Kara Cruz at Kara Cruz asks, how do you balance work and life while remaining true to yourself? How do you seek mentors out early in your career? What's the secret to keeping a happy and loving marriage? Well, those are three amazing questions and I wish I had all the answers because if I did, I would be Buddha, right? <laughs> but again, I, I like to follow a simple structure in life. How I balance my work and my life while remaining true to myself is I take one day at a time. I try to stay focused on the task at hand. If I'm you know, doing a podcast, I'm doing that podcast. And I'm not thinking about anything else except for my guest and that moment that we have together. When I'm with my children, I think about my children and giving them all my time and energy. And when I'm working, 
on a project or a fashion creation or a, a new food supplement, I'm, I'm focused on that. So stay focused on the task at hand and take one day at a time and listen to yourself. Take time to quiet your mind every now and then and ask yourself, ask yourself what it is you want. Ask yourself what it is you need and you will have the answer. Yourself will give you the answer. Seeking out mentors early in my career, I never did too much work in seeking out people. What I did is I found people in my life that organically I connected to or I was driven toward, that there was like a magnetic connection. And you know when those happen. And when they do pay attention to them, that's the universe telling you that you're supposed to be connected to that person. And it's not always a good experience either sometimes. So, you know, keep that in mind. But you can find mentors in bad examples of people as much as you can find them in good examples of people. So early in my career, I had a lot of pretty bad managers. And what they did is they taught me how to be a good manager. They showed me what not to do. So you can find mentoring in all different crevasses and corners of your life and people. So a mentor can be someone that affects you in life and makes you think. That's the most important thing that I, I want to leave with you. And then the secret to keeping a happy and loving marriage. There is no secret. I've, been, I've asked people that have been married for many, many years. And the one resounding answer I get all the time from people that have been married for a long time is never go to bed angry. And what I take from that is I think oftentimes we hang too much on our spouses. We expect them to be the end all be all. And when you're in a relationship that turns into a dependency, which marriage does, it does change things. It's not just love anymore now, it's love and dependency. And so what I try to do with Jonathan and I try to do is recognize that we can't be everything to each other. We allow ourselves to have other interests outside, you know, our marriage, like me mountain climbing and, you know, the things that John likes to do on his own. And we then come together and we can celebrate those things. So we try not to go to bed angry because we try to recognize that we just have to talk through problems because if we don't figure it out, then we only have one other option and that would be to break up, right? So, you know, divorce, if you, if you look at, you know, your marriage and say divorce is not an option, then you start to forgive, you know, your spouse and yourself for some of the idiosyncrasies that, you know, just living with another human being will happen and drive you crazy. Be honest and true to yourself and that will keep you happy for your spouse. And I'm going to use the old adage from the people that I've heard that say, you know, this, they've been married 15, 60 years, never go to bed mad, work out your problems, recognize that you can agree to disagree and keep an open line of communication and most importantly, laugh a lot together. Thank you for the question. In My Heart is a production of Embassy Row. Our executive producer is Sarni Rogers. This episode was produced by Alexa Machia and Anna Marie Johnson, Karen Silverstein, and Heather Thompson. The show is edited by Maureen Vigas. You can follow me on Instagram at I am Heather T. See you next week.